Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, we are beginning a new series this morning for our Back to Church campaign called Get Rooted, Get Rooted in Faith and Community. Because just like a tree needs deep roots to stand strong, we need deep spiritual roots to stand strong through the storms of life, amen? And today's message is titled Grow in Faith, Grow in Faith. And again, we just welcome anybody who's visiting with us today, and uh, whether it's your first time or you already call this your church home, we pray that God will speak to you and that you will encounter God in a powerful way. As I said, we're starting a series, Get Rooted, and for the next three weeks, we'll take a look at how digging into spiritual practices can help us to grow deep roots. Today, we're going to look at how rooting our lives in faith and community can transform us and help us live lives that honor God and bless others. As I was preparing this message, I remembered several years ago when I was ministering in Arizona, a state which is largely desert, and uh, as we drove along to the location where I was going to be ministering, uh, you just saw, you know, desert most of the way, but occasionally there were these verdant green trees in what was otherwise a barren desert, and it made you wonder how could they survive and thrive in such a hostile environment. So I did some digging, because I'm always a curious type of person. I like to investigate things. And, and so I did some research, and I found that there are about 27 different types of trees that can do well in the hot and dry climate of a desert like Arizona. And there is a secret why these trees do so well. They grow extremely deep roots to be able to reach the water table that is far below the surface so that they can continue to get the water and nourishment that they need. These, this, the roots of any tree are really the most important part of a tree. They're vital to its health. They're vital to withstand difficult climates and, and strong winds. They have to grow deep roots in order to be able to thrive and endure. They have to grow deep roots to absorb the greatest amount of water and nutrients from the soil uh, to be able to sustain it, their life and growth. Any thriving tree will have an unseen root system that is deep and often has widespread root that is, are as wide as the canopy of its branches in order for it to survive. The Bible tells us that we also need deep roots in God and his word to flourish. Read with me, if you will, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. But blessed are those. How many of you want to be blessed? Okay, about 50% of you. Let me ask that one more time. How many of you want to be blessed? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, that sounds better. Then listen up to what God has to say. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, you are a tree. They are like trees planted where? Along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop 
producing fruit. Basically, when the roots go deep, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Amen? They're going to thrive. And that's true of our lives spiritually as well. We need to make sure that we're putting down deep roots in God and his word because then we'll be able to survive and thrive in any circumstance. Amen? Those roots will help us grow spiritually. They will enable us to stand strong in times of difficulty. And they will enable us to produce the fruit of a life that is pleasing to God and a life that fulfills his purpose in all circumstances. Now, the first thing I want us to see is that faith in the Lord grows deep roots. Those described as deeply rooted in this passage we just read, in verse 7, it says, the ones who are deeply rooted are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. You see, the decision to trust the Lord is the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. And this passage in Jeremiah 17 is all about who you are going to choose to trust with your life. Who are you gonna choose to trust your life to? Because everybody trusts in something. Jeremiah says we really only have two options. We can either trust mere humans or we can trust the Lord. In verse 5, he tells us that we can choose to turn our heart away from the Lord, to trust in mere humans and rely on human strength, usually our own strength, our own ability, our own intellect. We think, I can handle this. I know what's better. I don't need God in my life. I don't need him telling me what to do. And so most of the time, the trust is in ourselves. Sometimes we look to others. We trust others rather than trusting God. But if we trust any human being, self or otherwise... I can guarantee you one thing. We will eventually be disappointed because they will fail us as good and as well-intentioned as they may be. God wants to be our choice. God wants to be the one that we choose to trust ourselves to, to root ourselves in him. But the people of Israel, they had chosen to turn away from God and go it alone. They believed the lie of the enemy that they did not need God and that they could make it on their own. You know, we need to be very careful because we can do this in our lives as well. We can trust in our own intelligence. We can trust in our own strength. We can trust other people in our life. We can trust in our own hearts and feelings and think, I'm doing just fine on my own. I don't need God. But you know, Jeremiah 17, 9 warns us that the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our hearts, our feelings can deceive us and often deceive us and lead us to make wrong choices, wrong decisions. And misplaced trust will always fail us. Now, I read the story of a 65-year-old Belgian woman who was going to pick up her friend at the train station, which was only 38 minutes away. So she did what most of us do. She programmed her GPS for the train station, and she set out trusting the GPS to lead her to her destination. She trusted the GPS so much she wasn't even really paying attention. 
She uh, trusted the GPS when she needed to stop for gas. It told her where the nearest gas station was and she would pull in. She trusted it when she noticed that the language of the road signs changed. But certainly the GPS must be correct. It wasn't until she saw a sign for Zagreb, Croatia, that she realized something is not quite right. She was supposed to be in Belgium, and all of a sudden, she's finding herself in Croatia. By this time, back home, she had been reported missing, and the police had started a manhunt for her because she had been gone hours, and she didn't even realize it. She was supposed to be only going about 30 minutes away. When she finally got back after the GPS mistakenly led her 900 miles across country trek, she was asked, didn't you have any doubts? And she said, I was preoccupied. I wasn't paying attention. This is such a good illustration of how so many people blindly put their trust in other people or in other things of this world not realizing that the things they believe or trust are faulty. And it, it, it's no help to get them where they need to be going in their life. In fact, following those earthly things will lead us further and further away from God and his purpose and destiny for our life. And eventually, disappointment in, in the things that we have trusted other than God will lead to fear. Because when we're let down time and again, we become afraid to trust. Just think of it this way. You know, oftentimes a game that fathers play with children is that they'll set them up on a wall and they'll say, jump! And the child blindly trusts the father, jumps, and daddy catches the child, right? But what would happen if daddy puts their baby up on the wall and says, jump, and just as the child trusts them and jumps, daddy steps back and the child falls, right? What would happen? Well, they'd probably uh, end up in jail, but that's not where we're going with it. <laughs> but after that, that child is going to have a problem trusting not only daddy, but anybody else. Because daddy was supposed to love them and take care of them and protect them, right? Misplaced trust will always lead to a lack of trust. When we have trusted the wrong things or people and we have been let down, we'll walk through life questioning, we'll walk through life with mistrust, we'll walk through life with fear, we'll walk through life with anxiety. That is why so many people are plagued by anxiety today because they have trusted the wrong things and now they're left facing life wondering, who can help me, who can I trust? because they've landed in this place of being disappointed because of trusting the wrong things. Jeremiah warns in the same chapter in verse 6 that when we trust in mere humans or walk by human strength, we will be like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. So instead of a vibrant, growing, fruitful tree, he says you're going to be like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope and no future. So if we choose to trust in ourselves, if we choose to trust in other people or things of this world, we will be disappointed. And what's gonna end up happening is our lives will dry up. We will feel as though we're living in a barren desert and we will have no hope of a better or brighter future. 
So do you want to be a stunted shrub with no hope? Or do you want to be a vibrant, fruitful tree that is able to stand strong through all the changing circumstances of life? I don't know about you, but I want to be that thriving tree. Amen? And it all comes down to the vital choice of who we choose to trust our life to. Romans 10, 11 tells us, anyone who trusts in the Lord will not be disgraced or disappointed. Folks, God will never let you down. God will never abandon you. God will always come through for you because he is faithful. Amen? The decision to trust the Lord is where spiritual life begins. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I want you to see something. Just as you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Folks, many of us said a prayer. We often call it the sinner's prayer to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life. That was the beginning of placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But salvation is not an event. It is a lifelong journey of following Jesus. So if we have placed our faith in Jesus, we must also now continue to follow him. And Paul was writing to those who were already in the church at Colossae who had made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And there may be some here today who you have not yet made that decision. I pray God will touch your heart today and at the end of the service will give you an opportunity to make the best decision of your life, the decision to trust Jesus Christ. But to make Jesus our Lord simply means to trust him first as our Savior, who died for our sins, that we might be forgiven and brought in right relationship with God as our Father and our friend. And to trust him as Lord simply means that we choose to follow his teachings and we let him reign in our day-to-day -day lives. We let him tell us how to live. We let him guide our every choice and our decision because we trust that his ways are the best way for our life. Amen? His will is the best will for our lives. We trust that his way will lead us to the best future for our lives. So, for example, how we treat our husband and wife is not dependent on our feelings or how the world teaches husbands and wives to interact, but it's dependent on Jesus and his word and what his word says about the marital relationship. How we spend our free time is no longer determined by our desires or what we want, but by what Jesus wants for us and what would please and honor the Lord. We no longer follow our desires and ambitions because our heart is extremely deceitful and wicked and it leads us astray. So we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my life. So we choose to trust and follow the Lord and we pursue his purpose and we pursue his will for our life. The decision to trust Jesus as Lord is the most important decision that we will ever make in our 
lives. I made that decision when I was 11 years old. It's the best decision I've ever made, and I have never regretted it for even one iota of a second. Amen. Never regretted it. You see, choosing to trust Jesus as Lord is the key to living a joy-filled, meaningful, fulfilling life. It is the key to living a full life in Christ. It is the key to living a blessed life and being like that vibrant growing tree that is fruitful and stands strong, bearing fruit through all seasons and circumstances. Making Jesus the Lord of your life is a decision you make in your heart that plays out every day in every aspect of your life. Faith is the proper response to an awareness of the sin in our lives, the failures that we've had, the mistakes we've made, the fact that our sin is rebellion against God, we have offended the Lord, and because of sin, our life has been broken and impacted in negative ways. And so we choose to place our faith in Jesus as our Savior, to forgive us of our sins, and our Lord to say, Lord, take control. Because the way I live, live leads to sin, brokenness, and destruction. But the way you lead me leads to life and blessing and eternity. Amen, eternal life. You know, we choose to trust in doctors. And we allow them to cut us open or prescribe powerful medications to us. We don't even know them. We say, lay on the table, cut me open. But we trust that what they're doing is for our well-being, right? We trust the banker with our hard-earned money. And, and, and we trust them to keep it safe for us and hopefully make it grow. Hallelujah. When we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we choose to put our life in his hands. And trust him to do what we cannot do ourselves. And, and, and I know you can't see God. But you know what? When you're knocked out on the operating room table, you can't see the surgeon. And you can't see what he's doing. But you just trust. When you take your money to the bank, you can't see your money. But you trust. Why is it then we have such difficulty trusting God? Amen? Such difficulty. But when we put our lives in his hands and trust him to do what we cannot do ourselves, he saves us from our sin. He gives us new life through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to live inside of us, to help us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to be our sufficiency in all things. Amen? When we choose to trust him with our lives by following in his ways, we are trusting. God, you are the only wise God. You are perfect in all your ways. And whatever you choose for me is the best course for my life. Paul was writing to encourage believers who were facing pressure to abandon their convictions. And they were being persecuted because of their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were being pressured to give up their faith, to give up their commitment to follow Christ. And instead of telling them, just go with, you know, give in to the pressure. Paul says, double down on your faith. Double down on your love for Jesus. Double down on your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as we persevere in trusting him in hard times our roots are growing deeper in him and our faith will grow stronger enabling us to stand in all circumstances that we face amen and the same is true today faith in Jesus develops deep 
roots, roots of strength that give us strength, roots that give us hope, roots that give us purpose, roots that give us confidence, freedom, and joy. We need to put down deep roots of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. We also need to put down deep roots of faith in fellowship. Roots of faith grow through fellowship. Our roots grow deeper through being relationally connected to one another in church. You know, plants need the right climate to grow, right? What's Florida known for growing? Oranges, right? Oranges, orange trees thrive in Florida's sunshine and warmth. But if you try to plant an orange tree in Alaska, what's going to happen? It's not going to survive because it's not the right climate. So where we plant our lives matters. We need to make sure we plant our lives in a climate that is going to encourage us to follow Jesus, that's going to encourage faith, that's going to strengthen us in our faith journey. Amen? If we want our lives and our faith to flourish, if we want to be fruitful, we must plant ourselves in the right environment. And the Bible tells us that environment is the church. That environment is the church. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. If you've got your Bible with you, that's about two-thirds of the way through the New Testament. Amen? The scripture says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. That is so timely today because I've seen an increase of what I often refer to as self-styled Christianity. Oh, I don't need the church. Well, then you're saying God's a liar because God created the church and God told us we need the church. So your self-styled Christianity is already in rebellion against Christ. Amen. That's an extra sermon, no extra charge. Amen. But he says, and let us not neglecting our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. We need to encourage each other. Hey, we need to be together. We need to worship together. We need to live our life journey with Christ together. We need to be connected with one another. He says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Folks, I believe we're living in the end times. I can see the signs all around me. Prophecies being fulfilled before our eyes. Amen. Even the, the fact, and I've mentioned this before, but the fact that uh, the current administration of the United States has already given the green light to digital currency to the World Bank. Now, many nations in Europe have already begun going down this road. Now the United States is joining. What does that mean? It means that we are entering into a cashless society, which was prophesied in the Bible that would take place in the end times. It means that we're going to be governed by a numerical system that will determine whether you can buy, sell, trade, or work. Without that number, you will not be able to do any of those things. Because, you know, nowadays you can hire somebody and you can pay them cash, right? But when the cashless society comes, uh-uh. You can't pay anybody that doesn't have that number. And you can't receive anybody, receive money from anybody if you don't have a number. Well, wait a minute. 
Didn't the Bible prophesy that in the end times, the Antichrist was going to govern the world through a numerical system that would be imprinted on our hand or on our forehead, and you couldn't buy, sell, trade, or work without that number? Now, prior to this generation, that was not possible because the technology was not available, right? But all the pieces are coming together for the fulfillment of God's word and the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's just one of many prophecies that I see happening. So this scripture is particularly relevant to us today. And what's going to happen for Christians the closer we approach the end? It's going to get harder. Satan is going to come down with a fury because he knows his time is short. Christians are going to be persecuted more. The Bible tells us this. Circumstances in the world are going to get harder. There's going to be famine and shortage and, and there's going to be uh, runaway inflation, all sorts of things happening. And we already see foretastes of that. Amen? So he says this is all the more important because you know what? When hardship comes and you're out there by yourself, who's going to stand with you? Who's going to encourage you? Who's going to support you? Who's going to pray with you? Amen? That's why we need relationships with one another. So when believers regularly gather and live out their faith together and encourage one another, that creates the right climate for our faith to grow deep roots so that we can weather all of the difficult circumstances that we will face and that we will face all the more as we approach the end. The writer of Hebrews encourages us to not forget that having faith in Jesus should result in good deeds that bless the church and the world. See, he tells us that we need to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So we need to do good works towards one another. And let me tell you something, especially for those listening to us online, I love you guys, I'm glad that you're here with us, but sitting on your couch, how are you gonna bless somebody else in the church? How are you going to use your gifts, talents, and abilities to do good works to someone else? I love you. I'm glad you're tuning in. Don't stop tuning in, but come out in person as frequently as you can and use your gifts to bless the Lord. Amen. But true faith in Christ is expressed in works. It's expressed in our ministry. Amen. And we motivate or spur one another to good works. How do we do that? You know what? Ministry leaders will come up and say, hey, I see this gift or talent in you, and I'd like to invite you to join this ministry. <clears throat> Hallelujah. A sister or brother in Christ may come up to you and say, hey, you know what? We're going out evangelizing this Saturday. Why don't you come with me? Hallelujah. See, we, we spur one another. We motivate one another unto good works. But when we're out there by ourselves, it's easy to live a very self-centered life where it's just about me, myself, and I. Amen? But when you're part of a body, then we are connected and we serve the Lord by serving one another and doing good works. Amen. It's, it's kind of like exercise, right? Fitness experts often encourage us to work out with friends. Why? Because first of all, it creates accountability. Because if you know, okay, I'm committed tonight to go and walk with uh, Sally Sue. You're more likely to show up tonight to walk. If you're on your own, the evening comes, you say, I've had a long day at work. The easy chair is calling my name. 
and you don't walk, right? How, you, you all know I'm saying the truth, amen? So working out with somebody else, it, it creates accountability that, that makes you more diligent and more faithful. It motivates you, it makes you more consistent, and guess what? It also makes exercise more enjoyable, amen? And the same is true of living our life for Christ and doing ministry in his name. When we do life together, we share our stories, our testimonies with one another. We hear how, you know what, my brother or sister in Christ, they've gone through struggles like I have, but you know what, by faith, they have prevailed. God came through for them, and I know that God will come through for me as well. My heart is encouraged by their story, hallelujah. And then that becomes contagious. Alone, we might have been discouraged by life's trials and given up casting off our faith. But together, our faith is strengthened as we encourage one another, especially as the end draws near and the days become more difficult. This passage is telling us that gathering together as believers is vitally important to our faith. And it is a catalyst for good works and life change. We need other people to provoke us, to motivate us to live the way Christ is living. As right now, in love, I'm provoking you to live the way God is calling us to live. Amen. But the church is a faith family, and it helps us when we're connected to flourish in faith and to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Have you noticed that there are a lot of birds that fly in V formation? I love sometimes just going and sitting at the beach. It's so relaxing. And I watch the pelicans. They fly in V formation. And as they're flying along, all of a sudden, you'll see the lead bird break off and go to the back, and another bird will take his place. You see, these birds innately know that they need each other. Each bird flies slightly higher than the bird in front of them. Why? Because the bird in front of them flapping their wings is providing what's called lift to the bird behind them, and it's reducing wind resistance for them so they don't get as tired. And research indicates that flying in V formation enables birds to conserve energy and fly 71% longer distances than they could on their own. Whoa, folks, God even created this principle of needing one another into nature itself. And the lead bird, the lead bird tires more easily because of drag and resistance. They're taking all of the drag and all of the resistance. So they rotate regularly, right? He breaks off, goes to the back, and another bird comes up and takes his place. They need each other. They help each other. And God created them with that innate knowledge. That's why they live and fly in flocks. Amen? And many of these birds, if one of them gets sick or injured, uh, they'll have to stop flying. And you know what happens? Another bird stops with them and waits until they're able to fly together and rejoin the flock. Folks, that's what we need in our lives. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Because we all go through stuff. 
And if we're on our own, that stuff can defeat us. That stuff can break us. That stuff can make us cast off our faith in the Lord. But when we have others that will come and stand with us, we will be strengthened and we will be restored. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. We need each other. We need the church. God created us to need one another, and God created the church as a faith family to provide that for us spiritually. Hallelujah. We are much stronger when we are together, when we are loved, when we are supported, and when we minister to one another. You know, there is so much negativity and hardship in the world. That, that, that it's like that drag and that resistance. It's constantly pushing against us. It's constantly pulling us down. But together, when we love one another, when we come together and we pray for one another, when we come together and we speak the life-giving word of God to one another, what happens? That drag and that resistance of the world's problems and negativity is broken and we are lifted and we are strengthened and we are encouraged. Hallelujah. I need that. You need that. We all need that. And that's why God created the church. Hallelujah. Some people say, I don't need the church. That's a man-made organization. I have news for you. You're wrong. Jesus said, I will build my church. He created the church. The church belongs to him. It's not a man-made organization. It is a divinely ordained organization. Amen? Hallelujah. And we need it because God said so. God wants each and every one of us to live a blessed life. He wants us to have roots that go deep down so that we can flourish, so that we can be fruitful, so that we can stand strong in all circumstances. But it will only happen as we put down deep roots of faith in Christ, in his word, and in the family of God. And the first step to putting down deep roots of faith is to trust Christ as our Lord and Savior. Remember, that's what Paul said. He said, first you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you continue to follow him. So the first step is to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Why? Because we've all sinned. And the Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. It breaks our relationship with God. It cuts us off from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus left heaven, came to earth, lived a sinless life, and then died on the cross, he took our place. He paid the penalty for sin that we deserved so that when we place our faith in him, we can be forgiven and we can be restored to right relationship with God. At that very moment, we're born again. We're made spiritually alive and we are made a child of God. We begin a lifelong relationship with God that we grow in and become stronger and stronger as we put down roots. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads just for a moment because there may be some of you here today who have not yet made the best decision and the most important decision of your life, which is the decision to trust Christ. You're either gonna trust yourself and this world. If you trust yourself, you're on your own when you hit difficulty and trial, but you trust God. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be a very present help in the time of trouble. You'll always have God there to help you through life's trials. So today, God is calling you. You're not here by accident. 
He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And if you would say, pray for me, Pastor, I want to come to Jesus. I want to trust him as my Savior. I want to be forgiven, and I want to have a relationship with God. Or maybe you would say, Pastor, I gave my heart to Christ some years ago, but I've drifted away. Pray for me. I want to come back. If that's you, if you'd say, pray for me, Pastor, I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me, Pastor. Just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? I want. Thank you for another hand. Is there someone else? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray it along with us to encourage those that are praying it for the first time today. But it's a simple prayer just to place our faith in Jesus, repent of our sins, and receive him as our Savior. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You just made the best decision of your life. We want to congratulate you, and we want to welcome you to the family of God. Amen. And we want to help you because, as I said earlier, that prayer is just the beginning. Trusting Christ in that prayer is just the beginning. Then we have to continue to follow him and grow in faith. We want to help you to continue and grow in faith by sending you free of charge a little e-booklet. But in order to do that, we need your email address. So we would ask you, if you would, if we can put that uh, slide up there with the phone number. Can we do that back there in the projection booth? There's going to be a phone number by faith. There it is. Hallelujah. And uh, you can just text your email address to the number on the screen, and we will send you free of charge this little booklet that will help you understand the prayer that you just made and the next steps you can take to continue growing in your relationship with the Lord. So if you've got your phone, if you would take it out right now and just text your email address to the number on the screen. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. For those of us who have already placed our faith in Christ, the next step is to commit to being deeply connected to Christ in faith through a daily relationship with him and committing to, 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 to follow him and to live by his word. And by getting connected in relationship in the family of God through regular attendance and participation so that we can motivate one another to good works and encourage each other in the faith. And so today, if you would say, I want to be like that tree Jeremiah described with roots going down deep that is fruitful all the time and is not bothered by whatever circumstances happen, but it continues to grow and be fruitful. If that's your heart's desire and you would say, I want to commit to deepen the roots of my faith, to, to deepen my walk in his word and to deepen my connection to the church, to, to connect relationally and participate in the life of the church. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet and make your way to this altar just for a moment as we commit 
submit ourselves to the Lord this morning. It's always important to respond to the word. The Bible says, do not be hearers of the word only, but be also doers of the word. So it's not enough just to hear the message this morning, but we want to respond to the message and make a commitment to live it out. Hallelujah. As you come to this altar this morning, you speak to God from your own heart and make a commitment to him as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for each and every person that stands at this altar in response to your word. I thank you that they have received the message of your word with an open heart and a readiness of the spirit to respond, Lord God. Father, we come before you today committing ourselves, Lord God, to deepen our daily relationship with Christ through faith. And Lord, Lord God, we make a commitment to walk and to follow Jesus and to live by your word on a daily basis, Lord God. Father, today we also commit ourselves to a deeper connection in relationship with the church, with the family of God, by regularly attending, by participating, by serving in ministry, so that we can motivate one another to good works, and so that we can be encouraged and strengthened in the faith, Lord God. Father, we make these commitments to you today, realizing that our flesh is weak and that we cannot do this ourselves. but we ask the help of your Holy Spirit to live out these commitments on the on a regular basis in our lives as we move forward in Jesus precious name we pray amen amen thank you for joining us today if you were blessed by this message would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry you can text any amount to 954-516-1522 that's 954-516-1522 thank you And we hope you will join us again.